welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. <laughs> Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, none other than Mikey Maximus the Fernicus. He's flown over half of the Pacific Ocean, but he's still on the radio air co-hosting, getting paid and getting laid. The first Hawaii co-host has been made. Charette. Say what? What? Yeah. Thank you so much for that intro, Doc yeah. G. Wow, mm -hmm. it's a it's just some just some rhymes I lay down every now and then. You know, it's amazing. It was really nice. <laughs> you know, I was like, I gotta, I, we gotta celebrate that you are co-hosting right now, four thousand six hundred miles from our home base in Jacksonville. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I googled it. Four thousand six hundred miles. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I was like very specific. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds about right. That's it. Now uh, <laughs> we did, as I mentioned before, we came on the air, Mike. We uh, have had a couple of guests from down under, Teskey Brothers and Blackwater Fever. Sweet. So I can't give you the title of furthest person mm. <laughs> that ever on the Doc G show, Word. but you do get the title of furthest co-host. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. And I got to be honest, I, 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 because you know, I was like, how much further is Australia? Like, what? You're only like halfway. Like, really? Yeah, it's like a whole nother four thousand six hundred miles. Jeez. To Australia. Yeah. Crazy. That big old ocean yeah, totally over there. Opposite. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, geography, man. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, Mike, since you're living it up in Hawaii, I thought we should help you out on the Doc G Show. We should do okay. a little legwork for you. So what I've done is I've gone ahead and done some research on Hawaii so that you can go around the state <laughs> being a local okay. yokel and impressing everyone with your vast Hawaii knowledge. So, Oh, I need this. Yes. Yeah, I definitely need this. Yes, yes. So here we go. Here we go, listeners. Are you ready? We're going to do some Hawaii facts. Here we go. Now, the first one is centric to our show, Mike. The Doc G Show has had four artists that were born in Hawaii on our show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Most recently, obviously, Thanksgiving special, Mason Jennings, born in Hawaii. Yes. Now, he, he calls... He calls uh, Minnesota is home for some weird reason. I don't, I mean, you know, no offense to Minnesota again, but come on. You have the option? Yeah. Come on. I don't, yeah. Anyways, uh, we got I don't know. Mason Jennings, <laughs> we've got Hyrie, we've got the Common Kings and K-Bong, all originally from Hawaii. So there Sweet. you go. Mm. Oh, nice. I forgot. I just, I just thought of one. The, the Irie. Uh, the Irie's lead singer also from Hawaii. So there you go, five. I miss okay. I miscounted. I thought of one in the in the center there. Yeah, five. Wow, look at that. Um, <laughs> okay, now this one's important, Mike. I don't know if this happened to you already at the airport. Uh, were you offered a lay when you got there? No, no, no. I was not. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. COVID, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're uh, maybe they have some restrictions. But no, <laughs> know this, Mike. You need to accept it if somebody offers one. Oh, 100%. It's, I'm looking forward to it. It's seen as rude not to accept a lay. It's basically like if somebody offers you a high five, but instead you leave them hanging and then punch them in the 
that's basically that's that's what you're doing if you don't accept their lay. So just so Ooh. you know, be ready. Anybody, I mean, they could be all the way up to your ears. You have so many lays, but you you have to keep accepting them. You're like, okay, 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 sounds and good. I will. Yeah, okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, the next one. This is just good. This is just good knowledge here. Uh, Hawaii alive with culture, Mike. There's no ethnic majority in Hawaii. Really? Yeah. No ethnic majority. Hmm. Largest group uh, are Asians in general, specifically Japanese folks. Okay. Yeah, but but they're they're not a majority. They're only in like Asians are like thirty percent of the population. Japanese are like twenty some percent of the population. All sorts of folks in Hawaii, Mike. All sorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Just one big happy family. Yeah. And so so and that's like throughout the islands that that uh, is distributed yeah. evenly like just on all the islands. I think so. Uh unless I'm just completely uh ignorant about that fact. Maybe maybe I don't oh. know. Uh but maybe it's just a general like Hawaii the state of Hawaii. Maybe. Probably. Well I I would uh. I would guess I I guess that's the whole demographic for the whole state. I'm yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that. Uh anyways, uh our next one. This one threw me for a loop, Mike. What do you think the lowest temperature ever recorded in Hawaii was. Hmm. Um. Well, if it if it was recorded on the mountain on the Big Island, I would say it's gotten pretty cold. Mm-hmm. Like maybe negatives. Maybe I don't know. Maybe negatives. Well, below freezing. Yes. Twelve. Below freezing. Twelve degrees. Twelve degrees. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Reco- okay. Not negative, but yeah, twelve degrees. That's yeah. That's pretty right. frigid for for the basically the equator. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's recorded. I think there was a blizzard a couple, like last week, there was a blizzard. Yeah. It's recorded at the top of uh, Mauna Loa, the the highest yeah. mountain there in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. 13,679 yeah. feet. That's a big mountain. Jeez. That's a, yeah, it's wild. It's like above the clouds. It's a big old, it's big old volcanic mountain, you know? It's a, mm-hmm. And apparently, yeah. I, I, I can't remember if it's that one or if it's another uh, mountain. It's actually the tallest mountain in the world when you consider how far it goes underneath the ocean. Like the start. Oh yeah. The start of the mountain actually goes down like twenty thousand feet below the the ocean, which is nuts. Yeah. That's. I don't want to think about what kind of krakens are down there. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, right. That's a little frightening. But if you if you climb that mountain, Mike, you'll have climbed the the tallest mountain in the world. Little you know. Nice. Little hidden fact there, you know. Too bad it's a whole another island trip away. Yeah, yeah. You need to. Um, you know what I would be fun? Just, well, you know what would be fun what? if you had a jet ski to just like island hop. Like I know, like mm. you know, like that. I, it'd be a long island hop, but like if you had like an yeah, energy efficient jet ski, oh, you could yeah. just just right over there. I've thought about that a lot in South Florida of like doing that with the keys. You know how cool that'd be. Like just basically that going, would be the way to go, yeah. You know, that'd be fun, but uh, yeah, it would be going on. Pl- and the keys, the water is the water's so like still. It's like mm-hmm. usually just Glass. flat and calm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's always unsettling when there's a hurricane coming in the keys and you see rough waves and you're like, "Ew, yikes! That does not look fun. <laughs> that doesn't look good." Yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. Next <laughs> uh, fact, Mike. I know you're a coffee man. Uh, oh yeah, it might interest you to know Hawaii, only U.S. state that can actually grow coffee. So true, really. Yep, yep. No way. No California. I did no, not know no that. Florida. 
No other states, just Hawaii. So, wow. It might behoove you to get some Hawaiian coffee before you go, Mike. You might want to just. Oh, that's everybody's Christmas present. It's going to be coffee. Like it. 100%. Or still a chicken. (laughs) Still a chicken. Or a chicken, uh, yeah. I don't know if they'll let you get away with that one. Um, they won't. They won't. Mike, you've heard of Hawaii Five O, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the original show started back in '68 and went until '80, uh, and they had a remake in 2010 that went till last year. Uh, and the idea was they were supposed to be working in a specific state police task force in Hawaii. Well, Mike. There is no Hawaii State Police. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you, they they made up the whole state police of Hawaii for that show. Does not exist. Girl, come on. So, hmm. so while you're in Hawaii, don't worry about getting arrested by Hawaii Five O because apparently it can't happen. So just well go go bananas. Local police maybe, but state police don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry gotcha. about it. Okay. Uh, All right. Sweet. Mike, have you ever heard of the Earl of Sandwich? Hmm. Oh, yeah. This place is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually a real royal title. You know, it's actually a place in Kent, England, and the Earl of Sandwich. Sandwich, Kent, England. And uh, hmm. the fourth Earl of Sandwich, John Matagu, loved to eat meat and bread together. So true. He was a mm-hmm. big fan of meeting uh, meeting bread together, and eventually uh, he did it so much, people started calling it a sandwich because he lived in Sandwich and he was the Earl of Sandwich. That's where the name <laughs> Sandwich comes wow. from. Yeah, but the reason Jeez. this actually pertains to Hawaii is that back in 1778, the explorer James Cook, when he came around to the Hawaiian Islands, was like, "This needs to be named." After the Earl of Sandwich. Word. So they were originally called mm. the Sandwich Islands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I, f- I feel like it's a good thing they weren't forced to keep that name because, like, <laughs> yeah. That well, they'd be they'd be under way too much pressure to have good sandwiches. That's a fact. You know, like people. Yeah, pe- very true. People would come there and just be like, "What? Well, where? Where are your sandwiches?" And you'd know, be like, "Well, it's a long story. That's not where." And they'd be like, "We don't care. We want sandwiches." So that's right. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, yeah. Okay. Speaking of sandwich material, mm. sandwich mm. material, Mike. Uh, the people of Hawaii consume the most spam per capita in the U.S. Ah, the mm-hmm. spam. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try this. I've never had it before. That's right. Take that, Mississippi. You thought you were the only <laughs> state that could eat gross stuff? Hawaii is here to prove you wrong. Spam. <laughs> potted meat. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it always looks so good on the on on commercials, like they're sizzling it in the pan. Yeah, it does. But yeah. then I've seen it actually in real life, and I'm like, oh, no. Nope. No, that's not good. Nope. That is that does that does not look good. Now, I I haven't had any just like spam patty by itself. So I I mean honestly, I'm a disposal. I'd probably like it. But it's just <laughs> it's just it looks weird. And it's just it's yeah, a bit it odd. It looks like cat Too food. Too square. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um Mike, you are on the island uh Kauai, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yes, uh, and we noticed, uh, or you you mentioned right before we came on the air, the uh, a large number of chickens. Word. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, yeah, lots of chickens. So there's a ton of chickens in uh, Kauai, and apparently, rumor has it that a hurricane back in 1988 and 1992 destroyed the domesticated uh, chicken pens all over the island. Like you know, it ripped the the ripped the pens apart, and the right. chickens just went out into the wild. There were already <laughs> wild chickens in the woods in the jungles at that time so the wild chickens right. and the domesticated chickens uh uh mated and they made feral chickens mm. and now you mm. got all these crazy chickens with different colors on Kauai uh island there um really yeah and there there aren't any natural predators they're they're literally like zero you know like i mean you look at a place like uh like mexico right and you've got You've got caimans to eat them. You got snakes to eat them. You got Mm -hmm. uh, jaguars to eat them. You got nothing on Hawaii. There's literally not a single predator that eats. uh, There's only two mammals on the whole island. Two two mammals, and neither of them eat chickens. So chickens just reproduce, just keep on everywhere. So you got chickens all over the place. Yeah. Hmm. So it's going to be Jurassic Park one day. A little really. bit. Like, Ran over like by uh, just, just chickens, <laughs> and they're going to uh, yeah evolve <laughs> into frightening. Dinosaurs. Yeah, they're little. They're going to have little neck frill things, and they're going <laughs> to already starting. Spit spit horrible juice on Newman's face. Um, oh man. <laughs> I, I I had no idea though that there was a spot in the United States that loved roosters and chickens as much as Key West. That's right. Because like. I don't know if you've you've noticed, Mike, but you go down to Key West, there are chickens everywhere down there too. There are roosters all over that island. They hmm. they just party, and you know, and there's all kinds. Like you go down to Vall Street in Key West, and there's just all kinds of stores that are like, "Hey, here's here's a joke about cocks because we got chickens everywhere." <laughs> and uh, you know, I was like, "Wow, another place that loves roosters and chickens as much as Key West." All right, all right. <laughs> So you're in the land of you're you're in good company, Mike. Uh, mm, so it's good chicken tenders around here. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if those feral chickens give you such good meat. I don't know. You can try. Really? Hunt one down. No. Just ki- kill it and put it okay. on a rotisserie, Mike. <laughs> Tell us how it goes. Nope. Um, <laughs> now that I've informed you with the only most important information regarding Hawaii, are you ready to fire up the show, Mike? Let's do it. Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Oh, man, Mike, we have a fantastic show. We have none other than Mr. David Jameson. And talk about a fellow that loves traveling. This guy, mm. my goodness, this guy's been everywhere, you know? Really? Uh, when I was getting ready for this interview, this dude, you go on to his Instagram. He's been to Indonesia, all over Europe, South Africa, uh, South America, nice. China, India, just all over. And nice. he's been playing music all the way. And mm. uh, at one point, I think it was about six years ago, seven years ago, he placed second in a competition that's essentially the Chinese equivalent of American Idol. Say what? Wow. Yeah. So Chinese idol. That's huge. Yeah. 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 It's it's nuts. He uh and like he went over there for a school trip. He just like or not school trip, but to study abroad. He he was like, ah, I don't think I'm learning Chinese fast enough. What if I just go live in China? That'll force me to learn Chinese. And I was like, <laughs> Good lord, that is frightening. That is a frightening endeavor, man. But he did it. 
Yeah. And now he's and now now he's a he's a rootin' tootin' musician huh? that can speak Chinese. What? It's a crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's wild. That's a crazy mix. But yeah, can't wait to talk to him. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, now, this is interesting one, Mike. I will say, um, I don't think you're going to get any of these three. Um, <laughs> but Girl, there's a couple of interesting facts about all three. So, you know, okay. even though you won't get them, it'll be, it'll be interesting. So, first you one. Know, I don't know. I got, I got the sun in my eyes. <laughs> I got the ocean and palm trees. I think my, my brain is awakening um, right now. So. We'll see. Hmm. Most likely still not going to get them, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, <laughs> we got one that's really old. We've got one that's pretty old. And then we got one that's not really in your wheelhouse. So okay. we're going to start cool. with the first not wheelhouse. So, and this is football, but not really super famous football player. So, All right. Got it. Born on December 15, 1987 in Greenwood, South Carolina. Our birthday suit wearer loved football growing up. His football team in high school was loaded with talented, with multiple four-star recruits. His high school team had two other future NFL players with Armonte Edwards and DJ Swearinger on the field. He was the only two-way player on this team that won a state title. He also was named an all-state football player. But hmm. despite all that, he was offered zero D1 scholarships. Girl, come on. He ended up walking on to Coastal Carolina's football team, where he ended up being a standout defensive player at cornerback. After four great years at Coastal, he ended up being selected by the Carolina Panthers in the 2012 NFL Draft, uh, fifth uh, in the fifth round, 143rd pick overall. He kept improving his performance until in 2015, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He was an all-pro first team 2015. He then signed a contract with the Washington football team for $75 million for five years. Not bad. He then went to the Buffalo Bills and is currently on the San Francisco 49ers. Also, in 2018, our birthday suit wearer competed in the 26th season of Dancing with the Stars, where he ended up finishing second. Second. Name that birthday uh, suit wearer. Hmm. Hmm. Cam Newton. <laughs> I'd say I, I understand. Carolina not Panthers. No, no, not really close. <laughs> nope. But <laughs> Josh Norman. Josh ah, okay. Norman. He had a real, like, you know, time in the sun there in the 2015, 2016 uh, time frame. It, that was like the whole talk of the. The league was him, actually. Because hmm. I remember, I can't remember who he was. Odell Beckham. He was going up against Odell Beckham. And they, they, they had it out on the field. Like, they were going back and forth, and they started slapping each other in the face and stuff. And everybody's like, oh, man. And Josh Norman shut down Odell Beckham, so everybody was talking about it. That's a fact. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, but my fun fact, the reason that I said I have connection, long time ago, my friend and creator of the community service uh, project Bigger Than Sports, South Carolina, Mr. Jay Spearman, he came on the show five years ago. So true. Uh, Jay, who is a great teacher and leader and just overall fantastic person. That's a fact. He was also on that football team with Josh Norman, Armani Edwards, and DJ Swearinger. 
nice. Yeah, Jay was actually probably the highest recruited athlete on that team. Jeez. Uh, he came out a very high four-star recruit out of college, and or out of high school, and went to uh, USC, went to South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's very familiar with old Josh Norman. Very familiar with that fellow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They uh, wow. they have more talent than you could believe as far as uh, uh, athletic talent. It's uh, it's very depressing when you see Jay do some uh, athletic things. You're like, wow, I am talentless. I, <laughs> if, if, I have no physical anything. Exactly. <laughs> if we went out into the jungle, he would just jump into a tree and be safe, and I would be eaten by a bear. And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> that's sad. Anyways, uh, Josh Norman turning the big 3-4. Happy birthday to Josh mm, Norman. Get uh, Greenwood, South Carolina. Enjoyable place if you go through. Very nice place there in South Carolina. Uh, okay. Mike, you ready to rip some headlines? Yes, sir. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Mike, let's start off the headlines with a humdinger. A man made a big splash on TikTok this week. (laughs) And he did it Uh by releasing a video where he talked about traveling to the future. Oh, yes. Can't wait to hear the rest of it. Yes. This. Not only that, Mike, but I know what you're saying. You're like, I don't know if I believe him. Well, he had proof. Wait, what? Oh. That's right. Now, his proof was that he had a picture of himself with another person that was supposedly his older self, and they had the same arm tattoo. Hmm. Oh. Wow. Wow. Right? I would say that's proof. Yeah. 100% proof. Right? If that doesn't prove it, I don't know what does, Mike. I mean, I think it's well known that it's physically impossible for two people to have the same tattoo on the same arm. That's Yeah, there's no way that could happen. It's not possible. So, I mean, I'm 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 trying to think of better evidence of a person time traveling than showing a grainy picture of what appears to be the same arm tattoo. Hmm. Oh, oh hmm. I've got it. I've got it. Actually, time traveling. That's uh, that's the better. Like these are the. I mean, Mike, these are the dumbest stories. <laughs> like, if you could actually time travel, first of all, you would have already rearranged history to be like the coolest person ever. You wouldn't be sitting mm-hmm. there on TikTok. Nope. Second, if you went to the future. You wouldn't see yourself 40 years from now. You'd see a bunch of cockroaches and Keith Richards because they're the only things that have survived that point in time. <laughs> like, there wouldn't be, like, oh, hey, what's going on? Yeah, a couple things changed. No, that's not the great future for us, guys. I hate to Mm-mm. tell you. That's not Mm-mm. It's not coming down the pipeline. Anyways, uh, no. synopsis. Listeners, stop believing people are going in time on TikTok. That's dumb. <laughs> Um, uh, doctor, yeah. just quick question. Mm-hmm. How many followers do you get for that I, <laughs> video? I would guess, I mean, it said it went viral. Like it had, it had millions of, of streams. I don't know how many followers he picked up for mm. it, but you know, followers from the future. Yeah. Lots of them. They were like, Oh, I remember that dude. Glad he visited us. Um, okay. Now that we've got time traveling out of the way, <laughs> I've got a story about Florida, man. Um, yes. Now, in Brevard County, we've got uh, Stacy uh, Bergen. Stacy 
was arrested last week for attacking his neighbor, who, the neighbor, is an elderly woman over the age of 65. And he attacked her with a hammer. You know what? Wow. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now, uh, Mike, I know you're disappointed in his actions, but let me explain his actions here. Uh, when police showed up for, to arrest Stacy uh, for the life-threatening assault, he said, quote, he believed his neighbor had falsely reported to the police that his Lyft driver dropped him off at home earlier with an open container of alcohol. Hmm. And since he was addressing the situation with his neighbor, it would be considered a neighborly feud. Hmm. Hmm. So my wow. yeah, I I'm not too familiar with the ins and outs of all the law, Mike. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, seems like some leaps were made. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's no law that states if your neighbor falsely reports an open container in a vehicle, you can beat them to death with a hammer. That's a fact. Like, seems like a bit of a stretch. <laughs> like. And honestly, I couldn't tell by the story. I couldn't tell if he was concerned that his neighbor falsely accused him or falsely accused his Lyft driver. Hmm. Like, I mean, if it's the Lyft driver, hmm. are you in a love affair with the Lyft driver? Like, why do you care? Like, okay, who, who cares if the Lyft driver... Like, I, I just don't know. Second, think it through, buddy. I mean... What would the cops be able to do in that situation anyways? Even if she falsely accused you, like, they'd come to your place and be like, hey, we heard you had an open container of alcohol. And you'd be like, I didn't. And they'd be like, you sure? And you'd be like, yep. And they'd be like, sounds good. And they'd leave. Like, (laughs) that's basically all they can do, you know? I mean, I don't know. Pretty much, yeah. Call, Call me an old softy, Mike, but I find there are almost zero reasons to beat an elderly woman to death with a hammer. It's just mm-hmm. yeah. It's just it's just I don't know, my soft side, my empathetic but, side. You know. You know. Doctor, do we really know what led up to that? Exactly. We don't know that. We never we <laughs> we all know that no river is long enough not to contain a bin, Mike. You're going to have to you're going to have to come to some point and I'm just saying, we don't know all the facts. <laughs> Don't don't judge the Florida man yet, okay? Um, oh my God. Okay, time for a story about an Illinois man pulling a little bit of a Florida man. Uh, maybe <laughs> not as up to up to our quality, but uh, apparently Saturday night, Christopher Hernandez was driving down the road. He lost control of the car and wrecked. Now. Uh, The wreck was pretty seriously, and sadly, Christopher's 10-year-old son was actually in the car at the time and uh, was pretty injured. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, the really big conundrum for Chris was uh, he was drunk at the time of the wreck. So so Chris's game-time decision was, I'm going to run. And so he did. (laughs) He just left the wreck. His kid seriously injured in the car, and he was like, eh. Somebody will take care of that guy. Nope. And he just shot off. And uh, not too surprisingly, when the police arrived, they were like, um, well, this is uh, Chris Hernandez's car, and uh, that's Chris Hernandez's son. I'm guessing Chris Hernandez wrecked this car. And uh, they asked the son, and the son was like, yeah, that's what happened. 
And uh, not too surprisingly, <laughs> the police officers found him a couple of hours later and uh, charged him with four counts of aggravated DUI and endangering the life of a child, which sounds about right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mike, I've got to say, I know Chris might not have been thinking straight, obviously, uh, being yeah. in the scenario he was, um, but on top of leaving your car, you left your son. That's a fact. Like, how do you think you're possibly going to get away with a DUI? <laughs> like... It's like leaving your birth certificate and a driver's license, being like, they, they won't find me. There's no way. It's just little evidence, right? They're like, it just doesn't make sense. I hmm. I feel like the alcohol had something to do with that decision-making. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. And <laughs> I don't want to give Chris any father advice, but I do feel like abandoning your son when he's badly injured in a wreck you caused probably going to lead to some trust issues down the road you know mm -hmm. yeah for sure hey, for a sure. little bit i mean i don't know sounds like chris has got a couple things to work out but <laughs> i mean just but he might want to just write that down just keep that in mind later on uh you know though like i feel like in the 50s or like the yeah 50s 60s like that would have been acceptable he would have just oh yeah you know, maybe gotten arrested 100 okay. they didn't have d oh they wouldn't even arrested him they would have been like here's a here's a ticket for hitting this light pole and that's you about know, it you wrecked your car your kid was in there. yeah maybe maybe you didn't know ah, okay. maybe only three <laughs> beers at dinner instead of 10 <laughs> try that you know that's that definitely would have somewhere around the 70s they they wised up a little bit uh which which uh brings me to the next story mike uh okay since we're on the topic of duis uh let's focus <laughs> on a fella we all hope chris hernandez does not grow up to be Word. that would be wallace bowers Hmm. Wallace is a uh, fella from Wisconsin, <laughs> and he was sentenced this past Friday for five years for his DUI that he committed on January 8, 2021. Jeez. Five years. Hmm. Now, um, maybe asking yourself, wow, that seems like a, that's a pretty mighty long sentence there for a DUI. And it is. You're, why is it so long? Well... Uh, five years in prison for the fact that he had 18 DUIs. Ah, 18. 18 DUIs. This is his 18th. So, you know, 18 as in, wow, 18 is DUIs. 18! That's a ton. 1993, a Mike, he was really busy. <laughs> he racked up three DUIs in a span of five months in 1993. Jeez. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was back when it didn't matter. You could get DUIs. Three DUIs in a span of five <laughs> months. Like, you got to really be working hard to get that many. Uh, and, you know, I, Mike, I'm, I'm a man that believes in second chances. Yes! I'm mm -hmm. I'm a man that believes in third chances yes! and and four chances. I might even be a player up to like ten chances. Yes! <laughs> but but eighteen seems yeah seems like a smidge too much. I mean yeah, that's a lot. It, it, shouldn't there have been a point somewhere in those eighteen that somebody was like, "Does Wallace really need a license? Hmm. Does he should should we just 
strike that one permanently from the record. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially like leaving a person with Jeffrey Dahmer and a steak knife and being like, I don't think we're going to have any issues here. We should be fine. Yeah. This looks good. I don't know. Like, just imagine how... <laughs> He's only murdered 12 people. Yeah. Wait, wait, he's not up to 18 yet. We don't need to worry about this. Like, just imagine how much longer baseball games would be if there were 18 strikes. That would be horrible. And I mean, yeah. baseball's already too long to begin with. You add 15 mm -hmm. more strikes. No, thank you. No, thank you. By the way, <laughs> I did find it weird when, uh, when I came up with that uh, comment about Jeffrey Dahmer. I looked it up. He, he was accused of murdering 17 people. I was like, he's on his 18th. Ah. That, is, that is weird. I mean, he's been dead for His like stories line up. 12 years. But still, I was like, that's a coincidence right there. That's neat. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Mike, let's take a break. We are going to hear from our guest of honor, Mr. David Jameson. This is his fantastic song uh, off of the new album here, 25 to Life, right here on the Doc G Show. Mama wouldn't let me be a cowboy Couldn't pass in medicine and such So here I am, counting barrels Good old West Texas sludge But I'd rather be an outlaw Riding like Bonnie and Clyde Instead I'm in this year high rise Doing 25 to life This room is feeling like a cage Counting the numbers of my long and lonesome days I punch out in fits of rage I gotta get out of this place On the prairie Under the stars at night Sitting with a guitar around a campfire Singing devil wears a suit and tie But I'd rather be an outlaw Riding like Bonnie and Clyde Instead I'm in this year high rise Doing 25 to life I pull this mask up on my face I'm back in my happy place Riding again 
with the oath gang Stealing hearts, taking names But I'd rather be an outlaw Darling, know you'd be by my side We'd ride off into the sunset Doing 25 to life You could be my bunny I would be your Clyde We would not worry for money Into the sunset we'd ride Doing 25 to life And we are back here on the Doc G show. You just heard David Jameson there with his fantastic single, 25 and Life, right here on the Doc G show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you're planning on making a holiday trip or just, just any type of trip, like... Mike, you know what you're going to want to do <laughs> while you're on the plane? You're going to want to have something to listen to. And what better to listen to than the Doc G Show? Yes! We can be your companions. And guess what? We have many rip-from-the-headline stories about people acting like idiots on planes. So you can look around and hate <laughs> your fellow passengers and be like, Yeah, I'm looking at a bunch of the right now. They all make me angry. You can do that if you subscribe and download the podcast. Oh, oh, it'll be it will be worth the two seconds it takes. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> it will be. Uh, Mike, let's give a shout out to the regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Genoway, Italy, uh, Winfield, West Virginia, Anoka, Minnesota, Boardman, Oregon, Peoria, Illinois, Barcelona, Spain, San Diego, California, Katy, Texas, Frankfurt, Germany, Columbus, Georgia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Ashburn, Virginia, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Citrus Heights, California, Richardson, Texas, and Paracay, Brazil. There Shout we go. Out. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good list. Herakai. It's a good list, man. I I like it. I'm always happy with the uh, with the internationals. More internationals, mm-hmm. the better, because that takes dedication, as I always say. Yeah, it does. You know, I mean, why? Why would they listen to our show? The only reason? Because they love us. And we love you, mm-hmm. too. We love you, too, listeners. Thank you. So true. Uh, here we go. Semi-regulars. Shout out. Shout out to Clearfield, Pennsylvania, Portland, Oregon, Houston, Texas, Damam, Saudi Arabia, Los Angeles, California, Geneva, uh, uh, Geneva, Switzerland. Screwed up on Geneva. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Watertown, Connecticut, Mexico City, Mexico, San Francisco, California, Oldham, United Kingdom, Fruitport, Michigan, Prague, Czech Republic, Belford, France, Denver, Colorado, and Kirkland, Washington. Shout out. Yes. 
Nice. All over the globe there. Saudi Arabia? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, Mexico City. If they keep listening, I'm going to put them on that regulars list. That's right. And like I said last time, I want to go to New Me- uh, Mexico City. I want to head it up. Yes! I want to be there. And when I go there, I'm going to go there with my pirate treasure, Mike. I'm going to pay with mm-hmm. things with my pirate treasure. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, we don't accept. As well as you should. Be like, we don't accept this currency. And I'll be like, you totally do. You totally hear. <laughs> yeah, you do. Here it is. Gold and silver. That's all I deal in. <laughs> nut bar anyways mike i got a couple leftover stories um which one do you want to hear about first do you want to hear about the lady hiring a hitman or do you want to hear about the flamethrower mm. mm. wow that's a toss-up yeah. uh, let's hear the hitman story it's got to be a husband it, thing. it's a good one it's an ex-husband <laughs> um ex-husband. and i'm pretty sure we've talked about it i know we've talked about the uh, website on the show before. I don't know if we talked about this specific uh, lady. So, uh, Wendy Wine or Ween, Wayne, Wendy Wayne, we'll say Wayne. It's mm-hmm. W E I N, Wayne. Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. yeah. Wendy Wayne uh, didn't like her ex husband. So, she thought the best way to get rid of him would be hire a hitman and murder him. Jeez. That was, that was her thoughts. And uh, <laughs> as you would imagine, Mike, you'd want to keep these activities on the down low. Uh, it's risky biz mm-hmm. hiring a hitman. It's shady work. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. she went to the most incognito site she could, which would be rentahitman.com. <laughs> Are you joking? No. That is not a real website. That's a real website. Well, it's a fake wow. website that's real that you can actually go on, right? What? Ah. So uh, <laughs> this this real website was made by Bob Inns. Bob Inns made the site back in 2005 to support an internet security business he ran. And he didn't actually mean for it to catch people trying to have other people murdered. Ah. Right? Of course. He was doing this in support of this internet security business, like a a hitman as far as, like, hits on the internet. Uh, Ah, yeah. Okay. But uh, he noticed after a couple of years of it lying dormant and the security business never taking off, he checked the email of the website, and there were a bunch of emails of people like, hey... Could you murder this person for me? Cool. Thanks. Wait, what? (laughs) He he eventually, one was so legit and so adamant about it, he turned it over to the cops. And then after he turned over that first one to the cops, he had saved three people from being murdered. And he was like, you know what? Maybe if people are dumb enough to come on this site, I should keep doing this. So he has. And uh, over 400 people have reached out since then and tried to have people murdered. Jeez. 400 people have looked at this website and said, that looks legit. Let's go ahead and do this. (laughs) Um, So uh, back to Wendy. Wendy uh, wrote a message to the website saying, this is kind of weird that your company is not on the deep or dark web. So true. She then said, but... I'd like to have my ex-husband killed for $5,000. She then Mm. added, I'd prefer not going to jail. Thanks for your time. Word. Preferably. Preferably. (laughs) I'd like to, like, before I get into her specific uh, comment, Mike, why is it that everybody 
thinks that something that should have an obvious answer doesn't have an obvious answer, and everything that should shouldn't have an obvious answer does have an obvious answer. Like uh, everyone in the world is told the world is round. It can be seen in pictures right. being round. All of physics is based mm -hmm. on its being round. We've known it for 500 yep. years. But do people take the obvious answer? No. 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 They go with the dumb no. answer. And like, it's, it's flat. Oh, yeah. It's definitely flat. Yeah. Then you're doing something highly unethical. You're doing something against the law. You're doing something that you wouldn't want anybody to know. Does the person take the hidden backwards way? No. They take the obvious answer and go to hireahitman.com and they're like, this should be good. This will be fine. Sweet. And yeah, going back, like like you mentioned, prefer not going to jail. Does she think that needs to be specified? Is there anybody <laughs> that says, second, uh, I'd like to go to jail. If you, could, if you could get me in there, it's pretty sweet. And uh, second, on that preferring not to go to jail, if uh, Wendy, <laughs> if you'd prefer not to go to jail, then you better pay more than $5,000. Like, this is America, not Yemen. Wait, You're what? not getting away with murder for $5,000. <laughs> like, no offense to our Yemen listeners out there. We love you. It's just a stated matter of fact that your socioeconomic cost of living is a little bit lower, and you'd probably get away with killing someone there a little bit cheaper than you can in the United States. I'm just going to guess. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, probably. Anyways, Mike, uh, the world is round and don't hire a hitman. Uh, those uh, synopsis points. But, but they, what am I trying to say here? Hire a hitman. Yes. And the Earth is flat. Will get you emails and subscribers. Oh, you'll <laughs> definitely get some people, no <laughs> doubt. No, well, you, you, if you hire a hitman.com, you'll get four hundred people in, interested in your yeah. interested mm -hmm. in your goods and services. Um, yeah. Mike, in America, <laughs> our next one here, our flamethrower uh, news. Um, there are disputes between neighbors all the time. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Now, sometimes. Now, what if Mike, your neighbor was parking on your property? No way. That's pretty flamethrower. That's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty enraging, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now, I would, I would think maybe, maybe like talking to him directly, or, or maybe even doing the, the, you know, doing them a little dirty and uh, going to the cops. You know, I could see that. Mm, okay. Um, but Florida man. This is a Florida man. Uh, mm -hmm. Andre Abrams decided to opt for neither of those options and decided, you know what? I'm going to attempt to murder my neighbors with a flamethrower. So <laughs> that's what he went with. Um, Andre lives beside Ashley Ganey, uh, coincidentally in Gainesville, which is a good last name for Ganey. Um, but... Lives in Gainesville, and apparently uh, Ashley Ganey's child had parked their car in the disputed area. And Andre thought, you know what? I might as well shoot him with my flamethrower. And he came out and shot the car with a flamethrower that can apparently throw uh, flames up to 20 feet. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when the police came to his house, he was charged with uh, three counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. But in an interview after he was charged, he told a newspaper, quote, this family 
How can I say this? Hmm. They're the worst thing that could ever happen to a neighborhood. Word. They've had issues with other residents, and it needs to be brought to light. End quote. <laughs> I don't literally. I don't think he intended the pun, Mike. I honestly don't. I think. <laughs> I think that was fortuitous. Uh, that was a lucky coincidence so on that pun. <laughs> um, now, this was interesting thing to me, though, Mike. I looked this up, and apparently uh, the incident involved a XM42 light flamethrower, uh, which cost about oh. $900. And and you can you can just buy this flamethrower online. Like, huh. and like, now seeing the story, I asked myself, I was like, what 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 could actually be a valid use for a flamethrower? Like I don't feel like there's any scenario that you would say spiders. Well, spiders. <laughs> well, I finally bought my flamethrower for spiders without the I don't know. It seems like a bit much. Also, hmm. you're telling me this family is the problem in the neighborhood? Like you almost burned three teenagers in a wave <laughs> of flames, and you're saying they're the problem? Like, I just don't see, like, the other people in the neighborhood looking out their window going, finally, someone tried to murder those people. Finally, we've been waiting forever. Like, I don't know. Ah, flamethrower, nice touch. Exactly. I wouldn't have thought of it. I like it. That's good. Uh, I'm going to go out and say Andre Abrams needs to make a New Year's resolution of not murdering anyone uh, with mm -hmm. or without a flamethrower. Either way. Either, 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 or. Um, no murders. Hopefully no little, hopefully no little lady called, uh, called the cops on him, potentially, uh, with a flamethrower. I mean, <laughs> you have two victims. Open, open container, and he's coming over there to show her what an open container is. Uh, anyways, Mike, we are... I attempted the callback. I, I attempted it. Yeah, I, attempted I, I, tried, I tried. I tried. Only for it. Um, <laughs> now... Mike, we are going to take a break. We will be right back with none other than our guest this week, Mr. David Jameson, right here on the Doc G Show. UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM. Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super happy to welcome a music man who's got a new album coming out January 27th. He's originally from South Bend, but traveled the world several times over, Mr. David Jameson. David, how's it going, sir? It's going great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. Now, uh, first off, 
Very important. I noticed, uh, I don't know, I couldn't get to the bottom of this. I noticed there was a puppy on your Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That was in need of a name. Was that yep. your puppy? That is my puppy. Okay. Does it have a name? Yeah, I think I think we're going to call it Teddy. Teddy. But Because uh, it looks just like a teddy bear. It does. But uh, I'm still open to new suggestions if... Uh, you know, if anyone has them. Okay. The puppy hasn't learned the name yet, so he, he doesn't come yet. He, he just does whatever he wants. That's understandable. That's usually puppies' uh, M.O. They do what they want. Yeah. That's... <laughs> But <laughs> unfortunately, it's often inside. But they're they're lovable and fluffy, so there's trade-offs. Right, uh, exactly. <laughs> so for the listeners that aren't familiar with your music, I've uh, I've got to say uh, the story before you became a musician. Uh, it's not the prototypic uh, old-time country musician story. Not. Mm -hmm. Not not the usual. You you grew up in South Bend, Indiana. Your both of your parents are physicians. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. Now I bet there was no way of faking being sick in your house and getting out of school. <laughs> Probably. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> now, even though your dad he was he was a physician, he does. I notice he does love music, and he actually he co-wrote one of the songs on your new album. Yeah. Twenty five to life. He co-wrote that, and he's mm -hmm. he's been playing keyboards uh, for for a long time now. Um, was he the person who originally got you into music or did you stumble into it yourself? He definitely got me into music overall. And yeah. I think kind of where I've landed, I've you know kind of landed here on my own. Yeah. But um, and he, he introduced me to like ACDC. I remember when he'd take me to school when I was a little kid, we'd be rocking out to Led Zeppelin or ACDC. Nice. He, and growing up, he would always be playing the piano. And I remember I could tell him any song and he would just play it. Very nice. And so he, music was always a part of you know, the family and yeah. my upbringing. Yeah. But now, later, as I spent time abroad, that's when I really got deeper into country music. Gotcha. I was about to say. Now, is is he more of a of a rock fan than country? Yeah, he's all classic rock. You know, nice. Sixties, seventies. That's his jam. Very nice. Very nice. So. Now you you ended up going uh, to college for engineering and uh, and Chinese and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. uh, now I gotta ask, you're from South Bend. How 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 did you not end up going to Notre Dame? That was uh, that was my parents' dream. Yeah, and uh, I actually got in, and but you know, at eighteen, Just nineteen, too, too much time in South Bend. Exactly. I wanted to get out and see the world. Understandable. And, you know, I only went two hours away, but you know, it's it's a long ways when you're 18. Oh, for sure, for sure. I I, I can totally understand. I, I I grew up right beside Virginia Tech, and people were telling me to go to Virginia Tech, and I said, mm, no, no, not yeah, not exactly. happening. Can't can't do it. Uh, now, mm -hmm. before I leave South Bend, since you're a local uh, a local yokel from way back. If I'm going to South Bend and I call you up and I say, David, I'm in your old stomping grounds, where should I eat? What's the local joint you'd tell me in South Bend that I should go to? Oh, man. There's a lot of great places, but I think the number one place I would tell you to go to is a spot called Jesus. Jesus. It's, mm. Yeah, it's a Latin restaurant, and the food you know, is kind of a blend of Peruvian and Mexican food, mm. and it's, it's really authentic. 
Man. And not only that, like the the atmosphere is amazing. They built it in this old library. Wow. Um, and it feels almost like a church. Wow. And the decorations are really good, and the flavors are just incredible. You know, especially for the Midwest. Very. Cool. It's like. You'd have to go to Latin America or New York to get that kind of thing anywhere else. Jeez, that, yeah, that would not be my first. Uh, I was not expecting that from South Bend. That's uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> Jesus, man, I'm gonna have to give it a try. I have not. Uh, I haven't seen any uh, any authentic Peruvian outside of uh, South Florida. So yeah, okay. Nice. Oh yeah, I'm sure they got lots of great stuff down there. You, you you can go basically around Latin America in, in South Florida <laughs> for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Now that I've got my food recommendation, uh, like like you mentioned, you, you went to Northwestern about two, two hours away there, engineering and mm-hmm. Chinese, and you actually ended up going to China to to study Chinese. And, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I don't know how many people I've heard say, like, give me a spiel of, like, you know, China's rising economy. There's, like, 1.5 million people that speak uh, Mandarin. I'm going to learn how to speak Chinese. And then they basically learn, like, how to say, hey, and that's it. Uh-huh. But, but yeah. you actually did it. You actually learned how to speak Mandarin. And I, I learned how, or I heard how you talked uh, about, like, going to China and how it's pretty ethnically homogeneous uh, society, and you're automatically seen as like you know the foreigner. It's very hard to blend in. Uh, right. Was that hard to get used to when you first went over to China, like being that foreigner? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was hard to get used to, especially if you're in like a tourist area, and you know, like if you have blonde hair, or even mine is kind of brown, but over there yeah. it's blonde. Yeah. And so people from the rural areas who are visiting like the Forbidden City will, you know, want to take pictures with you and it's kind of have, <laughs> hard to have your own experience. Yeah. Uh, but any, anywhere else in the city, you know, people are used to you being around and people yeah. like you. So it's pretty easy, but you know, adjusting to it, like on my own, it took me six months to feel comfortable there because the smells and the sights. And, yeah. You know, the commotion, it's just n- like nothing you you can even imagine here in the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've I've uh, been friends with uh, a lot of uh, Chinese uh, Chinese uh, uh, students, and mm-hmm. they, uh, they'll tell me, you know, I'll ask them where they're from, and they're like, oh, from this teeny, teeny town in China. And I'm like, yeah? yeah. They're like, yeah, it's like 600,000 people. I'm like, that's teeny? <laughs> That's that's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty big city in a, in America. That's six hundred thousand oh, yeah. people. But you know you've got yeah. so many so many million uh, person cities in China. It's definitely mm-hmm. definitely different level. Now, how confident were you like when you went over there in your Mandarin when you first went to China? Was it because I feel like was- I've always felt awkward like trying to speak Spanish. And I've been doing it for so long. But whenever I get to a Spanish speaker, I'm just like. Ugh. Uh, it just feels so awkward. Was that how you felt when you first started going over there? For sure. I mean, my ability when I went there, I'd studied three years in college and I knew no- next to nothing. Yeah. I could barely say my own name properly. Wow. Definitely couldn't write it. Wow. And uh, so, you know, I was like a small child just like looking and, you know, making small like grunts to yeah. try and get what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and I just like poured my heart and soul into studying for four months. Like didn't even talk to my parents all that much. Wow. And a big part of how I learned was actually music. Yeah. And I'd learn 
like find a song I liked and I'd learn how to sing it. And then I would be able to commit all those um, words to memory. And now I know, you know, 50 new words every song. <laughs> now, I well, I heard, you know, I heard you talk about that as far as like that was a way to practice. Uh, it, did, did you start performing at like open mic nights at bars doing that? Um, so actually I went around, so there's this district, I moved into the central area of Beijing where they mm -hmm. had lots of bars mm -hmm. and it's like a big lake and big tourist area. And I went to every single bar and was like, Hey, uh, can I work here? Can I come <laughs> sing? And they were like, Nope, nope. <laughs> and then like one or two places after like 50 or 60 bars, let me come in and like even try out. And so I played like the one Chinese song I knew at that point and one English song. And they were like, great, this is perfect. So I come back and the first time I played at this one place, um, like I played my one Chinese song yeah, and it was open air and the traffic on the street stopped, like cars stopped, people were gathered, like wow. just trying to figure out like who was singing this because they're singing this white dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, singing in like pretty good Chinese. Yeah. And so you know it was, that was when i was like oh this is maybe i'm onto something here <laughs> it's, and the bar the bar owner was like you got to come back every day man that see that seems like i don't know i i heard you talking about that earlier and i was like man that seems like an absolutely terrifying way to learn how <laughs> to learn how to speak better chinese like i mean it did, did it feel like i guess less did it feel easier to sing than to, to speak in Chinese? For sure. Oh, yeah. Because like, the hardest thing about Chinese, like, you know, in Spanish, you learn how to say the word. You got to figure out how to move your mouth to, like, make the sound. Yeah. Um, and you got to know what the word is. And if you know what it is, you can kind of spell it. Yeah. But in Chinese, you got to make the sound with your, your mouth. But then there's also the tonal aspect. Mm -hmm. And when you sing, that disappears. Ah, so you know you can sing properly even if you can't make the right tones yeah that's... and over time you can you can learn the tones so it actually it gets it's much easier when you sing yeah mm, nice that that makes more sense because i was thinking of like i was thinking of like spanish and i was just like man if i walked into spanish class and somebody was like yeah. sing a song what no <laughs> no jesus this yeah. is gonna be tough <laughs> But that you take right. you take one level off, it definitely gets easier. Um, mm -hmm. Now I heard your your neighbor was ultimately the guy you ended up basically trying out for what was like the Chinese equivalent of, of American Idol. Um, exactly. Now yeah. uh, before I move on to this TV show, I did hear you mention several times that this neighbor. Uh, made Chinese pancakes. Say what? Now, yeah. Now, when I Googled it, I kept coming up with these Chinese scallion pancakes. Was that? I knew you were going to say that. It, that. It's not actually that thing. No. Okay. Uh, what is it? What was he making? It, so it, it's kind of like a crepe. Mm. Um, so basically, it's a kind of crepe dough, and then you break an egg on it, and you fold it up into this pocket with all these like sauces Ooh. and a crunchy wonton Ooh. kind of um, thing in the middle, and it's it's like a really savory breakfast food. I was about to say that sounds that sounds addicting right there. That's oh yeah, it's amazing. Oh man, it's amazing. Man, uh... I actually made it on on television once, um, and then the fire department shut us down, so we had to. <laughs> get to we were like halfway through, so then we had to come back and pretend that it was hot 
and the uh, the host of the show had to eat it on oh. television to pretend like it was good. Cold. But it was like this rubbery egg uh. thing. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. Now, was that was that in, in China or in America that we were doing this on the that, talk show? That was in China. Oh, that man. That was in China. Oh. Singing isn't enough over there. you got to have another talent. I was so. about, about to say, so you had to go on and be like, I'm also a cook. Here we go. I learned right. how to do exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can make that. The Chinese pancakes and chocolate chip cookies like that's it nice well hey that's that's pretty good meal i'll settle for that meal um yeah now now eventually you so you you did you tried out for this uh the show and you didn't find out you made it on the show like you actually like it was first of all it wasn't your idea it was your neighbor's idea you you sort of just Mm -hmm. went along with him we're like okay you didn't even know what you were doing Sort of just mm-hmm. tried out, and then you sort of forgot about it. You came back to school here in America, and that's when you found out you made it on the show. Yeah, it was like almost like six months, eight months later, and I get this email, like a frantic email from a like a friend, like a mutual friend of my neighbor who you know had my email address. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You got to get to China tomorrow. We're filming this TV show." Mm-hmm. I was like, "You know, even if I got on a plane right now, <laughs> I'm not gonna get there." There's, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, so I missed the first filming actually with my friend. We would have done it as a duo then, mm. but um, later. So we arranged like six months later. I came back and did the show with him. Yeah. And uh, you know, from there, I just kicked off all kinds of shows. Yeah. Now, now, event. Now, on that show, did you? Was that the one that you eventually came in second place on that one? Yep. Now. Now, like you said, you did you did a bunch of shows. Were at some point were you like walking around China with people pointing at you like that's the dude on TV, that guy? No, I I mean that'd be cool, but didn't they get were to that still level. like, oh, who's that? Who's that white dude? It's a weird <laughs> place for white people to be. Yeah, uh, for them, I was just like another just you know, a weird young white American guy. kid yeah. on the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now. Uh, when you were performing songs on the uh, on these shows, were you doing? Because you know now, obviously, the music that you're that you're making is sort of in that American tradition, the American country, American outlaw country. Mm-hmm. Is w- was that what you were doing on the show, or was it more like pop stuff? Was it Chinese pop? Th- w- what were you playing? I did like Chinese rock and folk music. Mm. Anything I could find that I liked, I would just latch on to. A lot of Chinese music is these sad, romantic ballads, and I just really can't stand them. So I like <laughs> dug into the, like, the original rockers of China, like the first people who brought like you know, 80s rock to China. Ah, gotcha. And um, some of the people doing folk now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now you mentioned before, like where, because uh, uh, going to school with your dad, as far as like classic rock and stuff, where, mm-hmm. where did you really start digging into, digging into the country, the outlaw country, Bakersfield country, that kind of stuff? Well, the first time there's like a specific moment when I was a kid and I first realized it even existed. I uh, listened to Nirvana mm. on their their MTV Unplugged album, and they did this song. They called it um, "Where Did You Sleep Last Night." Yeah. And then I came across like a traditional like a rendition of that. And I was like, what's going on here? So I started digging into bluegrass and all these things. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of forgot about it. And um, when I moved out of the U.S. like nearly a decade ago, I started getting back into it mm-hmm. and digging back into especially like the red dirt 
Texas scene and the yeah. country that I listened to as a kid. Yeah. And just you know, kept going. And the more time I spent abroad, the more like my American identity was really tied to the music because that's all I had. Ah, I gotcha. So, so in high school, you were more going for what was going on at high school. It wasn't exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, now I heard you talk, uh, in the past about like, uh, being connected more to those, uh, you know, uh, deeper voice singers, the baritone singers, because that was things that you could emulate easier. Uh, I heard mm-hmm. you, Johnny Cash and Elvis. What what artists would you say inspired you the most to start sort of performing that type of music? I, I mean, it's definitely Johnny Cash. Like nice. um, as a as a kid, I sang Elvis, and but when I started playing guitar. Johnny Cash was the first one where I could like say, you know, I can sing this pretty well, like mm. better than the average person because I have the voice. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I struggled a lot as a kid to sing because uh, so many of the songs were out of my range. Like once I got to high school, I couldn't sing any like pop music anymore. Yeah. I'd have to like drop the key or, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so Johnny Cash and some of the older stuff like, like Elvis or even Frank Sinatra, I was like, these guys, they <laughs> sing, they sing my music. I, you know, so I'd like perform basically Johnny Cash stuff yeah. when I was first starting out. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I know, I know it's, I know it's super hard. But do you have a favorite Cash song? I think my favorite one is um, "Cocaine Blues." Oh, nice. Yeah, and I love it because it's his own rendition, but the song also has a lot of depth to it. Um, oh like yeah, it's, it's very closely related to another song called "Little Sadie." Which mm-hmm. dates back really far. It's also kind of a murder ballad, like like um, Johnny's version. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I the the first time I heard Cocaine Blues was uh, on Walk the Line when I actually watched the movie because I hadn't, I hadn't. Oh yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't listened to uh, the actual live from Folsom at that time, and then I went back. It was one of those that I found and was, oh, that's a cool song. I like that. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, I heard you talk about when when you were in China and you were doing the different uh, reality shows and whatnot. You you weren't doing a lot of originals. Uh, w- when did you start writing original music? The first song I wrote was like a little ditty in like fourth grade. I was bored in music class, mm-hmm. and so I was like writing lyrics to a song in my head and you know putting them down in my notebook, um, but. You know, I would kind of mess around with poetry and 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 songwriting in high school quite a bit. Yeah, but it was in college when I really started doing a lot more and making it you know a consistent part of my life. Gotcha. And from there on, I, I even then, even though I didn't listen to a lot of country music, that's the stuff I was writing just based on the lyrical content and gotcha. the structure of the songs. Gotcha. Now, now, how long? Because, because I mean, it seemed like going to China and everything, uh, you know, your your whole trip and then going back and everything. You still really hadn't like it. It wasn't the fact that you were like, I'm going to be a musician. That that wasn't like. When did you decide like, I need to be in music. I need this is where I need to be. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like sometimes you know, there's been periods in my life where I just like have to write music or create mm-hmm. music, and one of those was. Uh, 20 at the end of 2019 early 2020 i started writing songs and 
I was working in a job where I was doing like a hundred hours a week Ooh. and barely had time for anything. But when I would find time while while I'm traveling it for work, yeah, I like start writing songs. And when it got to you know March 2020 and the pandemic hit, suddenly had way more time. Yeah, because I couldn't go like out to the honky tonks or yeah, you know, travel for work. And so by that time, I was already like you know doing it. Like I was gonna do it, and yeah. suddenly I found a lot more time. So it, it made it a lot easier. Nice. Nice. Well, now before the pandemic, like you mentioned, you you traveled uh, for work and for for fun. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you had all you got to go all over the place. Uh, you know, looking back on your Instagram, you see Stonehenge and Argentina and uh, Amsterdam and Indonesia. Uh, yeah. Where's Where's a place you need to travel that you haven't traveled yet? That you're like, man, I got to go there. Yeah. The. Um... The last one on my list until like two years ago, it was Central Asia mm-hmm. because it's so fascinating. And now it's it's more the Middle East, Northeast Africa area. Mm. I know mm. I've never been to the whole continent of Africa, mm. but that the influence of all the cultures coming together, where you have the you know the trade routes with you know what is now Saudi and that Middle East area, the Gulf Coast, and yeah. then India and Tanzania, all of this stuff coming together. I find that fascinating when the cultures. Not clash, you but you know, mess. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For for sure, I've uh, I've got I've got to catch up. I've got to catch up to you. I got a, I got a lot of places I got on the list. Got to got to get some places under my belt there. Now, with all this this traveling, like you said, was was it the pandemic that uh, essentially allowed you to say, okay, I'm going to make a full album uh, of tunes of my own music here we go yeah uh, like once the pandemic hit and you know i found all this time i was you know writing a lot and i decided you know, i need to need to put these into something you know i don't want to just write them and like play them i want to want to make this into an album and yeah. that kind of that kind of got the ball rolling and hasn't stopped yet nice nice now well now for this album you just didn't you just didn't slap together, like you said, some some garage band and throw it out there. Mm-hmm. You you've got Dwayne Lundy, operator of uh, Lexington Recording Company, who's worked with mm-hmm. Sturgill Simpson and uh, Ringo Starr, Justin Wells, Coulter Wall, all these all these guys, and uh, he's 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 recording the album there with you. Uh, how that yep. how that opportunity come about? Well, it was actually it was an introduction through um, I guess I guess a country music influencer. He's one of the guys who helped. WB, um, yeah, WB. Nice. Yeah, he helped. He was on Culture Wall's second record. Yeah, in the the interlude in the middle, he connected me with Lundy, and when I saw the people Lundy had worked with, you know, that sound is kind of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I knew he would be able to get it because nice. you know I I realized. If they can't do it without you and and get that get the idea and understand the idea of what you want, yeah. it's really hard to communicate that. I mean, you have to start on the same page. For sure. And he was already you know where where I was starting from. Very nice, very nice. How was it? How was it, how was it working with him? It was fantastic. I mean, he's so easy to work with, and the the vision that we came together for on the songs was it, it really aligned with exactly what I wanted and. And when we talk about like what is the mood, how do we want the people to feel when you listen to this? Mm-hmm. And then you know, sometimes I couldn't see what he was doing. You know, I couldn't really like hear it until it was all together. And, it, and as soon as it did, it was just, you know, it's exactly what I had envisioned. Yeah. Now, now when you when you heard some of those songs play back, were were like, were you like, Oh, that's me? 
Is that is that it? Like, yeah. I mean, was was it one of those moments that it was sort of blown away when you heard the final product? Oh, for sure, especially on Twenty Five to Life. Yeah, like the fact that he could create such an empty soundscape. Like, it's a vast, empty, like, like I don't know what to call it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's hollow sound, and it's amazing to hear that with the acoustic guitar. And I could have never imagined how to even create that. Yeah, and so hearing it back, it's like it was it was really mind blowing. Did, how how is he one of those guys that operates is he one of those that looks like a magician you never know what he's gonna do or does he just go in with a plan like here's this here's this let's try this like how, is he is he a is a strategic guy already planned or is it a more of a wing it as you go he definitely plans but you know not to the same level of what I've heard, you know, some of the guys do in Nashville, like when yeah. he comes in, you're, you're still working together. You're kind of shaping the song as you go mm-hmm. where, you know, heard from other people um, like him. Yeah. You know, they'll come in. They know exactly what they're going to do. Everyone does their part and they're in and out and then it's done. Yeah. You know, like one take. Whereas you know, with Dwayne, we'd sit, we'd have some coffee and listen for a while, then listen to Led Zeppelin and then go <laughs> back to it. And, um, so it was cool because it, it allowed me to be a part of that process. Yeah, and kind of you know, learn along with them and understand what they're doing. And as the first time, you know, first time in the studio for my own album, where it wasn't just under the direction of someone else, like in China. Yeah, um, it was that was important because I wanted to understand how he thinks about the production. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, a lot of times uh, on songwriters, sort of first albums like we got here, you've got songs coming from all sort of different periods of your life that were like slowly accumulated is that this type of album or did you create these specifically for this album these are except for one song they're all specifically for this album nice um one song came from college mm. but it fits so well into the overall theme mm. and you know i didn't set out with the idea of this theme in mind but mm-hmm. um you know leading up to me writing the album my grandfather had passed away mm-hmm. and in the you know the few months before he passed away we discovered that well i discovered he also likes classic country music so mm-hmm. we were listening to um, one of his favorite records uh, marty robbins gunfighter ballads mm. and so as i was thinking about it um and, and writing these songs I, I realized it really became a big part of the theme you know almost every song is some kind of gunfighter even if it's not actually you know a gun and yeah. so one song is actually about him being kind of an outlaw gunfighter like gunfighter imagery, you know, he's a straight shooter and he's a preacher and kind of blending that all together. Exactly. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and I heard you, I heard you describe, you know, uh, what, what it was about in an earlier interview. And, you know, after I heard that background about your, about your grandfather, about being a preacher, about having that sort of, like you said, sort of metaphor as a gunslinger, that way mm-hmm. it oh man it held so much weight the song yeah w- 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 the song was such a heavy puncher after that i was i was mm-hmm. i was i was drawn in you know and I, I think i think people are really gonna like that one it's uh yeah it's a really good one can you tell is that the song you're most excited about that you haven't released yet or is there another one that you're really i mean obviously they're like your children but like which right is is there any other one that you're like oh man people are gonna people are gonna be jazzed about because you've released a lot of them already as singles but mm-hmm. is there yeah. is there is there one you haven't yet that you're more excited about than others well you know 
eye for an eye certainly for me is one of the personally the most impactful it's like even when i sing it now it's like a punch in the gut yeah you know like it, it's like it creates like this visceral emotional reaction when i'm singing it and this morning actually i was in a lutheran church up mm. here in north dakota yeah and i was performing in the basement and i played that song for the like the uh parishioners yeah and it just hit so different you know like i haven't like choked up on that song since i you know since, since a long time ago since yeah. they recorded it yeah and it was it was hard to go get through it when i'm in the church like where my grandfather would have been preaching yeah um but uh you know so for my family and me i think that's the most impactful and a lot of these songs you know are related to my family in some way yeah uh, but the one that i i really like how it came together is gone like the wind mm. i really like the um the imagery and the lyrics and how they fit together with um, what Dwayne Lundy did, you know, adding banjo and a lot of movement to the song, he gives it a nice kind of, um, you know, a drive forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, uh, speaking speaking of your your family, I heard I heard a cool. You mentioned two ball and the jack. Uh, mm -hmm. You 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 loop some some stories therein. Who was that? Your uncle that you. Yeah, had stories of. He sounds uh -huh. he sounds like a character. Your uncle. Oh, he yeah, he's he's quite a character, and he's done so many different things in his life, and he's incredibly smart. So I love to just you know hang out with him and just chat about anything. Yeah, and um, because he's done so many things, I like to talk to him about you know times when he did this or that. And yeah, I learned so much. Sometimes I didn't even realize like he he lived in Papua New Guinea, and oh. I had no idea. Wow. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and so. I was asking him all about his days driving trucks and, and some of the words in there just like really triggered such strong imagery. <laughs> I, you know, I, I had to write it. And yeah. so some of those phrases actually went straight, um, straight into the song. Yeah. Um, like one, one thing he said, and as soon as he said it, uh, I knew what it was, even mm -hmm. though I never heard it. He was talking about, you know, some people haul swinging beef. Mm -hmm. And immediately I was thinking like, you know, the meat on on hooks yeah. hanging from the ceiling mm -hmm. and um you know a few other things like that where i just had to put in there for sure for sure <laughs> it was uh i mean it's got it's got a good it you know it's got that good swing to it that song mm -hmm. that one's definitely got a fun vibe to it um well david we are up against a break but what what song do you want to play right now what song do you want us to have play i'd love to play tall dark pines oh let's do it let's do it the 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 title the title track here uh well yeah. dave i want to thank you for coming on the show uh we appreciate it and hopefully uh you can come down here to uh florida and join us in the studio one day well, I'll definitely be down in Jacksonville soon. I was just there a few months ago, so I'll be back. Oh, fantastic. You'll have to let us know. You'll have to let I us know. I will. Listeners, you can keep up with David at his website, davidjamesonmusic.com, or you can follow him on Instagram at davidjamesonh, or stream all of his music on Spotify or Apple right now. Let's listen to Tall Dark Pines right here on the Doc G Show. You won't be naming me. Ten long years in the Terre Haute pen Finally I was free When I came home I found Doreen With a man from Tennessee Fooled me once, fooled me twice 
Sure as hell won't be three Deep down in them tall dark pines I know she's cheating on me Let me to temptation Through our vows to the breeze Broke the laws of man, broke the laws of God But I won't let them break me Took six rounds and I left town I laid out towards the trees Searching through them tall dark pines I cut them down for their deeds I'll be running Till they cast me to Satan's feet When the roll is called on high You won't be naming me Shot first and killed him He didn't even see Blood poured out as dark as mud From the bottom of the creek Put one round in a sweet doreen Just to see her bleed One more round to watch her die Twice more for to show mercy So I lit out through the tall dark pines Where no living thing does wrong Rather Hell below than back Back to the Terre Haute home In the pines, in the pines In the tall dark pines I'd shiver the whole night through be running until the Lord cast me down to Satan's feet. When the roll is called on high, he won't be naming me. I'll keep a running in the tall dark pines, I'm free. But just in case I am found, I saved one round for me. Here on the Doc G show, you just heard Tall Dark Pines from our guest, David Jameson, right here on the Doc G show. Fantastic. Fantastic. Man, I'll tell you, traveling, Mike, traveling. I got to be honest, he made me feel like I just need to travel way more. I am, <laughs> yeah. I am not tra- like I need to do some more international traveling, and I got to be honest, the the COVID has not helped out with that. Nope. Uh, no. Nah. It, it scares me. I do not. Yeah. I, planes. I don't know about you, but if I was on that plane with you, I would have been holding my breath the whole time. Just been. Like, uh, yeah. I was really loosey goosey on the plane. Oh man. Oh no. Oh, dude. I had. Uh, Gotta watch out. I don't know if I can say this. I don't know if our employers are gonna let me go, but I had a couple edibles. <laughs> oh. I had a couple edibles and uh just feeling I was just 
Well, drinking coffee, mask off, nothing. Well, I mean, they're legal in your state, so you know. That's a fact. That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least when you took off, it was legal. So you know, that's yeah, that's fine. I think that's acceptable. But I mean, I I can see now why you would be loosey goosey. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, it just that's nice. Yeah, it's all. Ugh, it opened it up. But right. now, now, uh, David talked to us about the best place to eat in South Bend. And we both brought up the menu there, this Jesus Latin Grill with uh, with the margar- uh, tequila bar. My goodness. Sweet. This looks yeah. delicious. Like, Yeah, amazing photography. There aren't many times that I say I would love to drive to Indiana right now, but I would love to drive to Indiana for this right now. I mean, yeah. this Seriously. is... I mean, good Lord, I might want to go get another degree from Notre Dame just for this. I mean, another degree (laughs) as in I don't have an original degree from Notre Dame, listeners. I'm just saying another degree on the ones that I have. That's (laughs) Anyways, anyways. Also, Mike, I found it interesting. I just kept thinking about this. I couldn't not think about it with, uh, with David, but both of his parents were physicians. And the only thing I could think about was just like, how much that had to suck trying to get away with illness in your house, like when you were a kid. <laughs> like you'd just be like, I'm sick, and they'd be like, let me see, open your mouth, turn to the right, no, you're not sick. <laughs> and the guy, they, they could see right through me. Ah, God, like, they had too good, too good, man. <laughs> Anyways, I can't wait for his full album. It is going to be fantastic. He's got some fantastic songs, listeners. When Eye for an Eye comes out, that song's going to blow you away. It's a fantastic song. You need to check out the whole album. It's coming out in January. It's going to be terrific. And good news, Mike. He said he comes down to Jacksonville all the time. And I was like, when you come down, you got to stop in. And he said, gonna ha- make it happen That's so true happen. so cool nice that's what's up can't wait for him to stop through uh but we have got to move on to some birthday suits you probably won't get so <laughs> okay <laughs> do you want the super super old one or the semi old one first let's go super old okay let's go super old okay born on december 15th in the year 37 jeez Wow. Let me put on my glasses for this. Okay. <laughs> 37. That's been a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, yeah. Which always amazes me uh, when they can actually, like, confidently say what, a, who, what, a, what day a person's birthday was in the year 37. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Really? So I think the yeah. accuracy would be, like, in a span of, like, two and a half months. Like, somewhere... <laughs> In between October and March, this person was born mm-hmm. somewhere. Anyways, uh, our birthday suit wearer was the son of Agrippina the Younger, who was the great-granddaughter of the Emperor of Rome, Augustus. When our mm. birthday suit wearer was two, his father died, and his mother, Agrippina, uh, married the Emperor of Rome at the time, who was Claudius. Mm. Claudius died in the year 54, and our birthday suit wearer took over as the ruler of the Roman Empire. At the time, mm. he was the youngest person ever to rule Rome. At the start of uh, our birthday suit wearer's rule, he seemed to be a pretty fairly decent ruler. People were, you know okay with him but as he got older he became uh much worse at ruling and he became sort of detached with reality 
1964, there was a great fire in the city of Rome. It burned for a total of 10 days and damaged or destroyed 10 of Rome's 14 districts. Girl, come on! Our birthday suit wearer blamed the burning of Rome on the Christians. Most likely, though, the fire started as an accident in the warehouse district. One of the most popular things that came out of this fire was that due to the work of political rivals, our birthday suit wearer was thought of as having done nothing to stop the fire, and the well-known image of our birthday suit wearer playing the fiddle while Rome was burning has become known in popular culture since then. Our birthday suit wearer died in the year 68, uh, 14 years after he took over as emperor. He was the last ruler of the Julia Claudian dynasty. The year after our birthday suit wearer's death, there was much turmoil in the Roman Empire, and there were four different emperors in four years. Name mm. that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Hmm. The fiddler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say Marcus Aurelius because I'm reading his book. Way but, too uh, good. Yeah, definitely Way not it. Um, yeah. <laughs> this would be Nero. Nero. Mm. Have you heard that? Nero. Playing the fiddle while, no. while Rome was burning? Mm -hmm. yeah. no. It's a popular thing. Uh, a lot of times now <laughs> when people like to basically uh, talk crap about a, uh, a political... Uh, you know, opponent or just somebody in power, and when they want to make it like that person isn't doing anything and they're not doing their job, they're going to be like Nero while Rome is burning. Uh, you know, that's what they're going to associate with that that ruler is that he's doing nothing even though his his uh, city is burning. But hmm. apparently, that okay. didn't really happen with Nero. Apparently, that was all just sort of political fodder. Uh, at least, hmm. at least from what I can understand, maybe, maybe uh, you know, who knows? History is written by the people that uh, that uh, end up ruling. So who knows? Maybe they completely mm -hmm. changed it around. I don't know. But Nero, he would have turned uh, one thousand <laughs> nine hundred and uh, ninety six somewhere. Mm, okay. There's a, there's a lot of... We could say 96-ish. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll round up. He would have turned 2,000 this year. <laughs> Close to 2,000. Uh, anyways, happy birthday, I guess, to Nero. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, now, the next one, uh, this is also one that you probably won't get. And I definitely, if I were guessing, I would not get this one either. But I felt like it was okay. uh, it was necessary. It was, a, it was a good one. And I'll be honest, December 15th, not the most super popular people you've heard of on December 15th. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyways. True. Born on December 15th, 1862 in Kildare, Ireland. Our birthday suit wearer was known for his athletic prowess. From a young age, he moved to the United States and started working in a barrel factory in New York. Hmm. He eventually started performing bare-knuckle boxing at the young hmm. age of 21. And in only a year, when he turned 22, he won the middleweight boxing title of the world in 1884 by defeating uh, George Full James in Staten Island. He defended his title for three years, and in 1891, he fought the future Hall of Famer Bob Fitzsimmons, who knocked him down 
13 times in 13 rounds. One, one of the punches to his throat permanently affected his speech for the rest of his life. When someone asked him why he didn't stay down, he said, a champion never quits. That's right. It's, it's tough words right there. His last mm -hmm. boxing match, he actually had tuberculosis in the fight. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up dying only a couple years later at the young age of 32. But at the time, he was known as one of the best boxers ever, and he was the first person to hold the middleweight boxing title. Name that birthday suit where? No idea. Yep. No, not a clue. Yep. Nothing. This was the first Jack Dempsey. The first. Ah. So there was another one later in the in the 20th century. Not that one. This was the first Jack Dempsey. Uh, and it, okay. Jack Dempsey wasn't his original name. Apparently, he just took on the name Jack Dempsey. I'm, I'm not... I, I couldn't really find why he took on the name Jack Dempsey. Like, you know, it's not really like... A, it doesn't really fit his actual real name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he uh, became Jack Dempsey, and his nickname was Non-Perel. Non-Perel. And Non-Perel basically means uh, there is without equal. There is no one hmm, okay. equal to him. Uh, his original name was John Edward Kelly, but he took on the name hmm. uh, Jack Non-Perel Dempsey. And that was... Uh, Maybe... Maybe Dempsey was just a popular name back in the maybe back in the day. Maybe I mean it's a nice sounding last name. Honestly, you would you would think they <laughs> might mention like why you took on a stage name of Dempsey. I don't know yeah, when your right. last name is <laughs> Kelly. Like you're just like yeah, I mm -hmm. like Dempsey better. I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know. But anyways, uh, first ever middleweight champion. So there you go. He he is the epitome. Like when you see a picture of him, if you bring up non-parel uh, Jack Dempsey, uh, you will see the epitome of an Irish masher. You will see a dude with the goofy hands, just basically like the <laughs> Notre Dame uh, the Notre Dame mascot. It's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> with the with his hands up like the classic yeah, boxing. Exactly, <laughs> and and he's wearing full on pants. What? Because you know mm. who doesn't wear pants when you're boxing? That's that's mm. obvious. But anyways, uh, <laughs> let's see. He, they just wore like the bottom half of their like tuxedo. Yeah, they just the took off. I'm going to have to take off my shirt and give you a good walloping, sir. Nah. <laughs> you know. Anyways, he would have turned, let's see, 159 today. Mm. Mm. Didn't live that long. Lived to 32. So didn't really, ah. didn't really make it to 159. But you know what? Boxing's a pretty rough uh rough occupation so especially yeah especially when you have tuberculosis uh anyways yeah. <laughs> mike we have got one more show one more show of the year coming up next year and it's going to be our year-end show mike we're going to review some things i've got i've got a lot of follow-ups i need to do i've been saving some doc g follow-ups if you notice we didn't have any today yeah, yeah, I was like, are we going to do a follow-up? No, no follow-up. No, but... we got them next week. Oh, well. We're going to catch up with okay. a lot of things. I'm going to review. We're going to have a couple of year-end, maybe some sound bites from the last year. We've had a good year, man. We've had... Cool. I mean, we've had a lot of great guests on the show. I mean, I don't like to brag, mm -hmm. but I want to brag about it. So, Wait, what? you know, 
We've got some great guests that we've had on the show. Uh, been a year full. I mean, Missio and and uh, J- Mason Jennings and Eric Hutchinson, Mark Broussard, Mipso, uh, the Adam and the Metal Hawks, Sophie Burrell, Larkin Poe, mm-hmm. Grizzfolk, Sure, Sure, Sam Tanez. I mean, just all kinds. All kinds. Yeah. So... I want to go over it. It's going to be a little year in. We're going to recap, and then you know what? We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back for 2022 stronger than ever. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, we will. Can't wait to mm-hmm. do it. But for now, we got to wrap it up. Mike's got to go have fun in Hawaii. Uh, I've got to go strategically plan for the next show to make it the best in <laughs> show ever. But until next week, guys, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus Charette. Hmm. Thank you for having me. Wow, what a delay. Sorry. It's all right. You know, normally I say thank you for being on the show, Mike. So that was my bad. I apologize. You know, I didn't give you your cue that you needed. It was my (laughs) short, my downfall. My bad. Listeners, I apologize for creating that delay. Anyways, until next week, zip Uh. it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.